The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And guess what we're going to be talking about today? It's kind of like what the whole world is talking about, but... I am going to try to give you a little more depth psychologically into Balloon Boy. So I'm putting Balloon Boy on the couch today. The whole world has been fascinated by this story. I actually just happened to be um, clicking into to Google News uh, when the this event was unfolding. So I saw it in real time, or at least part of it in real time. And uh, the part that I saw had to do with the balloon actually... Landing, they were it landed in a field, and they were uh, it was sort of miraculous that it had a relatively soft landing, and they went to the what looked like a basket underneath the balloon, hoping to find the six-year-old boy who supposedly was up in the balloon had had uh, inadvertently crawled into this basket in the balloon before the balloon just uh, somehow <laughs> took off. And so the whole world, of course, you know, we, when, that, when something like this happens, we identify with the little boy in the basket. For, for these minutes that we're watching this chase, this, this I don't know what to call it, this, um, <laughs> this balloon floating through the sky, we, we feel consciously or unconsciously like that little boy uh, because at times in our life, in the real world, we do feel helpless as if we're we're floating around and and there especially these days uh with so many different problems in the world it's as if we we're floating around and we don't quite know where to land and how to fix things and how to get grounded into what it is that we have to do and so and we also feel helpless in face in the face of all of these financial problems job problems housing problems relationship problems, terrorism problems, all kinds of problems. It's like overwhelming. And so it's very easy to identify with the helpless little boy in this balloon. And then, of course, when the balloon landed and the boy wasn't in the basket or in any part of the balloon, this helium type, it was a, for those of you who <laughs> I know <laughs> in America, he'd have to be hiding under a rock to not have seen the picture of the balloon, which kind of looks like a helium flying saucer. Um, but I know a lot of you are listening from other countries where you may not have, have seen this. And um, uh, it, it was quite a sight. And um, when the balloon landed and the boy wasn't there, of course, what everyone 
started to think was, oh, my God, if he's not in the basket, and the, and the brother of this little boy had said that he had gotten into the basket of this flying saucer, helium, UFO kind of thing, um, then where could he be? The only place he could be, it seemed, was that he fell out somehow. This There are differing reports as to how long the flight actually took place, but somewhere between, around an hour, an hour and a half, some people say two hours. So within this flight that's also being um, described as being 50 or 60 miles, the, the distance that the balloon traveled, um, somewhere, it would seem, he must have fallen out, and then a big search went on for him. And... Um, of course, you know, it was very emotional because, because as unconsciously, you know, if not consciously, we put ourselves in the place of the little boy. Some people put themselves in the place of the little boy's parents, uh, you know, imagining what if my child was in a balloon and now he's not in the balloon, so he fell out somewhere, uh, from high in the sky and, and, you know, of course chances would be that he was either dead or, or gravely injured. Um, so all of this was going on, and news was interrupted on various stations. This was breaking news, and um, and we just followed this for, for, as I said, between an hour or two. Um, and now, then, uh, after, well, then now we come to find out because of an inadvertent remark. Um, that the boy made on CNN's Larry King Live, hosted at, on that evening show by Wolf Blitzer, um, an inadvertent remark, which I'll get to. We this has made us uh, suddenly question whether, in fact, this was a hoax. Now, one of the things that's really interesting uh, is that the the authorities, the sheriff in particular. During after this occurred, or while it occurred, and af, soon after it occurred, and before the uh, Larry King show and this remark, the sheriff was saying, "Oh no, there is no way that this could be a hoax. I was with, and my my people were with this family, and they had real emotions. They were really upset. They, their body language, their what they said, everything about them expressed real emotions, as if in fact." Um, this this could not have been a hoax. Of course, later on, you know, I mean, well, after the after the boy was soon after the boy was not found to be in the basket, um, he was later found to be in an attic above the garage. And of course, that's how he was able to appear on Larry King Live. I kind of uh, I kind of told the story a little out of order, um, and 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 you know he. There are, there are still conflicting reports. Some people say um, that he was, or reports say that he was um, in the attic and and he had fallen asleep in the garage, in the attic above the garage. And other reports have said um, in that area above the garage he had food and he had playthings and things that would indicate that there was a plan on somebody's part for him to be up in that garage for a long time. And um, and so um, now, getting back to the sheriff, so the sheriff claimed that, you know, there's no way that this could have been a hoax, that the parents were really genuine. 
And, of course, after this remark and now that this whole situation is being studied more carefully um, and people have come out who know this family, of course, now it's seeming more and more likely that charges are going to be brought against them, uh, misdemeanors and felonies for things like, um, <laughs> like fooling the authorities and so on. Um, we'll, get, we'll get to that. But, but what, so now, of course, the, the sheriff and, and his people are saying, oh no, they knew all along that this was likely a hoax. Um, they were just saying they didn't think it was a hoax in order to get the trust of the family. Well, if you believe that, that's even more unlikely to believe than the fact that this wasn't a hoax. So, um, what I'm concerned about, one of the things that I'm concerned about, of course the main thing I'm concerned about is how dysfunctional this family is and and how much help the children need. Um, but what I'm also concerned about is uh, how because the sheriff and his people, for lack of giving specific names and so on, um, they they have been embarrassed by this, by the fact that they actually believed the parents. And they didn't think it was a hoax. Now, of course, there is still the possibility that this wasn't a hoax. I mean, I, you know, we have to, we have to. They haven't been found guilty uh, yet of any charges, but it certainly is looking as though it was a hoax. And I'll get, I'll explain why. In fact, um, it seems that this was just a desperate attempt to to become a star, as is as <laughs> it's sort of the latest in the, the uh, a long list of desperate attempts that people have been making to get their 15 minutes and more of fame. But what I'm concerned about is that now that the sheriff and his people have been embarrassed because of their saying in numerous press conferences that they did believe that this was genuine, that they are going there's going to be um, a backlash against the family, that they are going to be more punitive than perhaps this family deserves. Uh, because they're, you know, they've been, they've been embarrassed, um, and so they they want to punish somebody for having, you know, they're angry at the family, of course, for being the cause of their embarrassment that that the family caused them to believe them. Of course, they're supposed to be the experts, um, and so they're angry at the family, and I, I'm a bit concerned that they're going to be throwing the book at them. I mean, yes, if it was a hoax, they do deserve some punishment but not the extra added punishment that the authorities will want to give them because the family fooled them. Now let's go into why it is that this family, um, it's, and let me describe again for <laughs> assuming that, that many of you were not as obsessed with this story as, as I have been. I, I've found it really interesting. Why are we obsessed, some of us, including myself? Uh, well, I, I was obsessed with it. Because I, as I, as anticipated, I've been asked and have been doing various interviews about it on television and radio and print. Um, but you know, but there was something fascinating because this was unusual human behavior. Uh, not the part about wanting to have 15 minutes of fame. That's getting to be more and more usual. But the part about the the degree to which somebody would go uh, in order to get into the inner circle of Hollywood. And so I'll give you some background on this family. But the real, the real people who are suffering the most right now are the children. And um, 
I will explain why, but let's start with the parents. Let's start with who they are. The main, the main um, what, uh, director of, of this play, let's call it, uh, is the father. The father, um, Richard Heaney, is uh, 48. His wife, Mayumi, who's Japanese, um, and I mention that because the father has said that he purposely picked a Japanese woman or an Asian woman who, because he wanted a woman who would be subservient to him. Um, he has a very large ego and uh, very, very con- is very, very controlling and wanted a woman who would essentially uh, just do what he told her, which is what she seems to have been doing. Her, her psyche is a little more complex. We'll talk about her, too. But um, So Richard is, uh, the family used to live in California. And, in fact, Richard and Mayumi met in acting class years ago. And uh, how perfect, you know, for this scenario. And, in fact, that was at the bottom. I mean, that's what really embarrassed the sheriff and his men. Um, because when they did find out that, that Richard and they, uh, Mayumi were, were actors, um, of course it's not that surprising that they were able to convince the authorities that this was real and to have the body language and the emotions and, and the words um, that would seem to be sincere in, in expressing their horror at finding out that their six-year-old boy, Falcon was up in the air. So, you know, that, I would have loved to have been there when the sheriff found that out, that in fact this couple were actors, so no wonder (laughs) they seemed sincere. When we come back, we'll talk more about the Heenies, more about the children, and, uh, and more about why our society is so consumed with getting more than their 15 minutes of fame. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... 
Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, putting Balloon Boy on the couch today, talking about the incident that occurred on October 15th, a few days ago, when a six-year-old boy was uh, allegedly in a type of basket in a balloon, something that looked like a big mylar balloon uh, slash flying saucer, it went up to altitudes reaching about 7,000 feet, and the flight was somewhere between an hour and two hours, and it had the nation mesmerized. Actually, uh, it was broadcast internationally as well. Uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, the parents. Um, well, actually, before I, before I get to that, I was mentioning about why everybody wants more than 15 minutes of fame these days. It's really getting worse from one generation to another. And the, the basic reason for this is that when, when we're babies, um, the way that we feel special and important and loved is by the mirroring, the eye contact, the holding, the affection, uh, the love emanating from our parents. And with parents spending less and less time doing that, um, because of working, because of um, because of wanting to, you know, make up for things that they uh, didn't accomplish before then in their own life, for various reasons, children are not for for parents not getting along. I mean, an example now is with the economy and and um, the, the home environment being a very tense one, and so parents are not giving that kind of mirroring, that kind of uh, reflection back to the baby saying, I love you, you're special, you're, you're, you're important in this world. And the less that someone gets that, um, the more they're going to look for that 
somewhere else. And in fact, a lot of the reason why people become or come to Hollywood or or wherever they are and try to become actors and actresses uh, or nowadays reality stars um, is because they're looking for that applause, that attention, the spotlight, the mirroring from an audience since they didn't get it from their parents. And now with reality TV and things like YouTube, um, there's more of an opportunity for people to get their 15 minutes of fame, which in a sense, it's kind of ironic because it's diluting the value <laughs> if there are all these people with YouTube videos up there. Um, you're not that special if you have a YouTube video up there unless you become a phenomenon like Susan Boyle or like the Heenies and this Balloon Boy episode. Um but but reality TV not only draws people to it to become contestants who have this incredible desire to to say you know hi mom look at me but it also has an impact on people making them um making them addicted to the spotlight and the problem is that the people who become attracted to reality TV are for the most part not talented in any particular way that would have, had there not been reality TV, gotten them attention. I mean, they're not good actors. They're not, for the most part, I'm not, you know, I mean, yes, there are exceptions, but for the most part, um, they are, they're, it's not because of their singing ability. It's not because of their, I mean, yes, American Idol, but I don't mean, I mean more, more shows like The Heenies were on, which was called Wife Swap. Uh, these kinds of reality shows, relationship reality shows, you know, uh, uh, matchmaking reality shows, those kinds of things, where really people are just going on to get attention. I mean, yes, it would be nice in the matchmaking ones if they, you know, somehow magically fell in love with their prince or princess charming um, after however long, 13 weeks or however long, not even, however long the show was being taped. But... Um, but there's this desire, even if, and the problem is that they are mostly being made fools of on these show, and yet on these shows, and yet it is it's worth it to them. They're they're still willing to try out. They're still willing to go through all of this um, because they're going to get to become famous. You know, the world will know who they are, or at least the world who watches that show or reads all the publicity about it. And so, and there's something that goes on in the filming of that show that then makes these people who are already hungry for the spotlight addicted to the spotlight. And so when they come off the show, they want to do whatever they can to prolong these 15 minutes of fame. And so the Heenies, for example, um, they were on, it's a, a I, I didn't mention and just want to make sure you, you know the whole story. It's a mother and a father and, and three little boys, um, and they were all on this show, Wife Swap, which is really a questionable show to begin with. Um, it's, it's where um, two families are paired up, and the wife of each of the family families goes into the house of the other, lives with the other family for a period of time. And they are taped. And usually they try to pick families that are uh, opposite each other in temperament and, and in the way that they do things it's because that makes them biggest drama, of course. And so when the Heenies were on Wife Swap, 
they were paired with a family who, uh, they, well, they are the Heenies themselves are, are storm chasers. The father is an incredible risk taker. He rides a motorcycle into the eye of a storm, and he does all these different science experiments, the goals of which um, are to either become rich from some invention or to, well, to primarily to get a reality show uh, where he would be a kind of mad scientist and they would follow him creating all these mad scientific experiments. And he was so desperate to become a star after he sort of didn't become one, not sort of, he didn't become one uh, during his time in Los Angeles. And he then, after he didn't become a star as an actor, that's when he started pitching these various reality shows uh, showing him as a mad scientist. And he, w- he was so desperate to do that that... Um, he would ride into the eye of tornadoes on a motorcycle, I mean, take incredible risks and bring his wife and children with him to these uh, storm-chasing uh, outings that they would go on. And, in fact, they slept in their clothes just in case they were going to have to run out and chase a storm. So, um, so when he didn't make it as an actor and he was then trying to pitch the show uh, and that wasn't working, he, he then ultimately left and um, moved to Colorado, and there are reports of, of his having had financial problems uh, in Los Angeles and having been in jail briefly for some vandalism. I mean, these are still coming out, and I'm not holding those against him. But, but suffice it to say that he wasn't becoming a star in Los Angeles, and, um, and he was having troubles surviving financially, and, and he moved to Colorado, but still had this dream of, of selling this reality show. And um, that kind of brings us towards the remark that, um, that got this family into, uh, that popped their balloons, so to speak. And this was, as I was starting to say before, um, an interview on Larry King Live but Larry King was being was not there that day. I'm sure he regrets that. Um, it was Wolf Blitzer instead who was doing the interview, and um, he was they were he was interviewing the family about the incident. And this was when at this point they were still thinking um, that that this was had been a, a tragedy averted. That that you know fortunately uh, the boy. Was above the attic, found above the above in an attic above the garage. I mean, I'm sure there was still there was some actually from the beginning there was some suspicion that perhaps this was a hoax, a hoax. But but um, so you know, I, I'm not saying that uh, even at that point he was absolutely Wolf Blitzer was absolutely convinced that it was that it was true. Um, but in any case, the family was doing fairly well in the interview until um, Wolf started asking about. Why Falcon was hiding in the well? Why he was in the garage, um, and and there was some. Uh, the family had said at, that they thought it had to do with the father who had um, yelled at him early in earlier in the day. Although it's not really clear why the father had yelled at him, and then the father gave this long-winded explanation uh, about that, but. But what happened was Falcon asked about the boy um, being asleep in the garage and, and, and asked whether um, he had heard, whether he knew people were looking for him. And, um, and the father said to Falcon, who had, wasn't really responding yet, the father said, did you hear, and I'm paraphrasing here, did you hear us calling your name? 
And the boy said, yes. And the father said, you did? And, um, and at this point, this is the really interesting part, because why did Falcon um, say what he did next? And, you know, his mother also, when the father said, you did, and the mother said something similar, like, you know, they were, they were so surprised that Falcon had heard them calling his name, and yet he didn't come out. And at that point, what must have been going through Falcon's mind was, now, wait a second, guys, um, why are you asking me why I didn't come out? This was all in the plan. You know, he must have been incredibly, incredibly confused and felt betrayed by his parents, putting him, pushing him against the wall to come up with an answer when they knew what the answer was, and the answer was that they had planned that he would be hiding in the garage. And so here's the point where he said um, something like, you guys said that um, we did this for the show, for the show. And at this point, um, Wolf, it, it seemed like Wolf didn't really hear too well, and he admitted later on he didn't actually hear what the, the because the boy was talking really low. He was kind of mumbling it because he was out of his league at this point. You know, he the game had changed. Um, somebody changed the game on him, and and. He had the only thing he could think of to say was the truth, and um, and so the father, um, the father said, uh, "You didn't come out." You know, they were, they were. Um, that's when the father started saying something uh, about how. <laughs> Well, well, we'll. I guess we need to take a break. I had a very, a very um, cliffhanger moment. Um, we're talking today about the Balloon Boy. We'll be back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america 
Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking today, putting Balloon Boy on my couch, putting actually the whole Heaney family on my couch, kind of a crowded couch. Um, and talking when we left off about the family's appearance on uh, the Larry King show hosted that particular night by Wolf Blitzer. So later in the show, Wolf Blitzer, um, obviously people told him um, what the child had said, and so he went back to it, and he asked the father, what did he mean, what did Falcon mean when he said, um, we, we did it, you guys said that um, we did this for the show. And uh, the father, you know, the, the mother and father uh, and the other, the, the two brothers, looked um, very uncomfortable when he said that. They kind of looked a little bit like, uh, like deer in headlight, uh, deers in headlights. And um, uh, so then when, when Wolf asked, Why did he, what did he mean, what did Falcon mean, the father said, I have no idea. And then um, Wolf wanted the father to ask Falcon what he meant. And, um, and the father, you know, very uncomfortable at this point. You could just see him squirming in his chair. Um, why, so he, he said, he asked him something like, why were you in the attic? And, and then, but, you know, and, the, and, the, and Falcon wasn't really, at this point, you know, he was really, uh, <laughs> he really didn't know what to do or what to say. And then the father, realizing that this was going downhill rather quickly, um, said, let me interrupt. And he said, I can see the direction you're hedging, which is kind of an interesting slip of the tongue. Um, he was the one who was hedging, the father. Um, and then he started going into this whole thing about how we, we weren't even going to do this interview. They said, whoever they was, the media, that if we did this interview, you know, we wouldn't have to do other interviews like, like they didn't want to do other interviews the next day. They did Good Morning America and, and the Today Show. But anyway, and then he got really defensive, um, and he, he said, the father, and he said, I'm appalled um, that after all the, the, the feelings that I went through, again, I'm paraphrasing, um, that that you would you know like what are you questioning here um, and uh, and um, you know and and then unfortunately well Wolf Blitzer kind of backed off backpedaled and you know kind of was saying uh, <laughs> once the father brought up about how um, 
like the idea that he had done their show, um, the Larry King show, and and uh, you know I guess maybe Wolf was thinking he might want to have them back on. <laughs> so he he totally backpedaled and said you know I, something about um, that he that he's thanking the family for being on and he knows they've gone through a bad ordeal and so on. Um, but you know the cat was out of the bag at that point, um, and and everyone was was clued into that. Not just, you know, it wasn't even just um, what what Falcon said, but uh, of course that paired with the background of the father and the mother and the the, the knowledge, the, the information that started pouring forth from people who had worked with them, uh, who had been connected with them in different ways about how desperate he was to get his own show. Um, all of this started coming together, and then somebody, some so-called friend of his who had worked with him in the past. You know, it's interesting. The father really had burned bridges because these people came forward, and yes, certainly part of it was for their 15 minutes of fame. I mean, one guy sold his story to uh, a media outlet and, and showed uh, emails that went back and forth between uh, himself and uh, Richard Heaney, uh, showing that that they had been thinking of concocting some kind of similar publicity stunt. I mean, <laughs> with friends like that, who needs enemies? But anyway, so it was kind of a combination of of this background that was coming forward and the boys' statement and the reaction of the family, especially the parents, you know, this, this deer-in-headlights kind of reaction where um, it really drew more attention to that. I mean, the father tried to give some excuse about how how... Uh, it, it had to do with his having punished him earlier, or then he gave some story about how um, he's always sort of lagging behind. I don't know, none of it sort of made too much sense. And he was really scrambling there. You could just see him thinking, oh, man, um, what, did, what did he just say? And um, so that was kind of that, and that's when everyone started looking looking further. And, of course, the next day, when the family was on the Today Show and Good Morning America, um, poor little Falcon uh, was vomiting on, on national, international television um, when he was sitting there with the family. He didn't really say anything uh, too damning at that point, but but just being there. I mean, well, he was asked something about what he said, actually. And, and, and again, it's this whole, you know, because for him, his whole world was turned upside down. Again, assuming that this was a hoax, which does seem to be the more likely explanation, um, his whole world was turned upside down because here it was a family affair, you know, a family plan, uh, the family against the world. This was going to get us a show. This was going to get world attention, which it certainly did. And I would not be surprised if it didn't get them a show uh, after all. It certainly has gotten them with the worldwide attention that they wanted. And and a lot of times, um, certainly they were when they were on Wife Swap. I mean, it was painful to watch how dysfunctional the family was and how what a temper the father had and how abusive the father was. Um but you know that's what some people think, uh, some producers think, makes good television. So you know, in the end, after he gets out of jail, if that's what happens, he may well, the family may well get, and if the children aren't put up, uh, given to foster care, which I hope doesn't happen. Um, I mean, what the family really needs. Well, I'll, I'll tell you that at the end, what the family really needs. But, but. Um, 
But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, in fact, there's some production company that sees now that they're known internationally that here's an, an opportunity and they make good television, again, in this producer's mind. Um, and it kind of it's the same thing as Octomom, the same thing as John and Kate plus eight. It's watching accidents on television, you know, the same idea of watching a car accident, a family explode, a dysfunctional family. I mean, there are so many of them, the Kardashians. Um, look at what happened with Anna Nicole Smith. The whole world sat by and watched her self-destruct. So apparently there are people who think that this makes good television, and if we all didn't watch these things, I don't really watch these things other than to know enough about them to be able to comment on them, but I find the whole thing incredibly painful because you watch these people not only making fools of themselves, but you see the pain that they're going through, and it's, and it's not like they're getting help. You know, It's not like there's a therapist there giving them help. Um, it's just that where they're wallowing in their dysfunction and in their pain, and, and too many people are watching that. If we all turn that off, uh, or um, if, we, if these, these producers were made to, to provide help, um, and yes, some reality shows make them go through the motions of claiming that they provide some help, but I've been behind the scenes of these shows, and... Uh, that is not real help. Uh, any any therapists that have been involved that in shows that I've known of um, just get starstruck themselves and know if they tell the producers that this isn't right. The thing, like for example, with Kid Nation, I was involved in a in um, in a lawsuit, uh, a, a a complaint against Kid Nation that, um, and I was. Um, retained by the attorneys who were representing one of the children. And, and it, it, there really wasn't, so I got involved with that in terms of knowing just what kind of help was provided. And essentially, there was none. Um, so, so these things are the, the, the danger. I mean, there, there is just now there's just gathering more and more and more uh, bodies of people who have been harmed, not only from the current reality shows, but... Uh, the show that the first of these tragedies that I was involved with in terms of being the defense psychiatrist for Jonathan Schmitz in the Jenny Jones talk show uh, trial, talk show murder trial, a murder that came out of out of the Jenny Jones talk show. So I mean, there there's been a long history now of of bodies, you know, some uh, literally piling up in terms of the the impact, the negative impact, the pain that reality television without any kind of uh, real help. <laughs> that's the only thing. That's not the only thing. That's, that's one thing for sure that isn't real is any kind of help that they uh, supposedly uh, get on some of these shows. So, so this family is really in trouble, and it's not just in trouble with the law. Uh, they've been in trouble. They, they've, they've, they've been in dysfunction actually before this balloon incident. Um, there, for example, the 911 was called and, um, and to the to the home, uh, and the wife Mayumi was seen to have uh, an injury on her face, and she claimed it was her contact lenses that were causing her red eye, and she had redness on her cheek, and so on. And, and the people who came to the house after being called by 911 um, thought that there was. Uh, domestic violence, but there really wasn't enough evidence, and she wasn't certainly uh, <laughs> claiming that. So there wasn't anything to press charges on. But there's there's 
really, um, you just have to watch the episodes of Wife Swap to see that this is a family out of control. And so this was the balloon incident is their latest incident, uh, and perhaps, and, and obviously their most dramatic incident, an attention-getting incident of being out of control. But this family has needed help for a very, very long time. And that's one of the questions, actually, uh, about the wife who has her own attorney. They both have attorneys, and her wife, the wife has her own attorney uh, in regard to the charges that are going to, that haven't been filed yet, but are likely to be filed next week. And, um, and the question is, is she co- how much is she co-conspirator and how much is she abused wife who doesn't want to go against her husband, um, even, even when there are charges being pressed against her? Okay, we'll talk more about the Heaney family who I have on my couch when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy-to-understand tools and tips. With his weekly guest, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Son, we got to talk about drinking. I know. I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't, yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. 
So talk about underage drinking before they know it all, before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking, and keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, putting the whole Heaney family on the couch, the family of the balloon boy, uh, poor Falcon Heaney. Before the break, I was talking a little bit about the mother, She's a more complicated character than the father um, because she seems to have both two, two extreme sides of her personality. On the one side, she's subservient uh, and, and really was um, controlled by her husband. But on the other side, if in the episodes of Wife Swap, um, she was incredibly overly dramatic, overly... Um, she would yell, she would cry, she would, you know, just extremes of emotion. It's interesting, this is when she was away from her husband, um, that she was emoting all of these uh, extreme feelings. But when she's with him, and perhaps part of it is fear if, she is, if there is some domestic abuse going on or the threat of domestic abuse, but she is um, very quiet and subservient towards him. Interestingly, her father supposedly, according to one of the friends of the family, uh, the Mayumi, the wife, told her that um, in Japan, her father, Mayumi's father, was very controlling and domineering, and um, it was kind of like out of the frying pan into the fire when she met and married um, Richard, and uh, and and you know had the same kind of, which is of course typically what happens, and had the same kind of um, relationship. Um, uh, what else? I wanted to talk to you about the children, um, because th- this, is the, this is sort of the, this is really the most serious part. What's going to happen to the children? CPS, Child Protective Services, has been called in as well they should, um, but look at, the, look at poor Falcon. His father, that remark on Larry King Live is going to haunt him for, and change his life. It has changed his life already, and it's going to haunt him for the rest of his life because um, if this ends badly, meaning that if no media opportunities after, uh, after these current opportunities come about, in other words, if the family doesn't get a reality show or if the father doesn't get an acting job or some other kind of media opportunity that the father will... will well, which the father could have gotten in any case, even if it wasn't a hoax. So regardless, the father will, will never forgive um, Falcon for, for letting the cat out of the bag and revealing that it was a hoax uh, or getting people to suspect more that it was a hoax. Um, and that is something that, you know, that's going to frighten Falcon, I'm sure has, he's so frightened he's vomiting on national television, you know, already has him terrified, and, and who knows what the father has been saying to him already behind closed doors. Um, and then, of course, we have the two older brothers of Falcon. They were part of this hoax. 
uh, one or both of them told the media that that they saw Falcon get into the balloon. I mean, obviously that was his acting role, and so he was made to lie. And he's going. They, the brothers will be angry at Falcon too for causing Falcon to lose the show. You know, this this potential show that they all thought they would get if it hadn't been discovered that it was a hoax. Um, so they will be angry at Falcon too, and they will be angry at being exposed that they are liars, essentially. You know, it's it's uh, this. So what the family is going to need um, is is intensive. Uh, family therapy, and of course it's not a family who has a lot of means. There are um, presumably county and, and, and public uh, therapy services that they will hopefully be provided with, especially through CPS perhaps. Um, one can only hope. But uh, And of course if one or both parents are taken to jail, then um, then you know, if if both of them are taken to jail, then yes, the family, the children will go with somewhere, someone else. Perhaps there's another family uh, member, an extended family member, who will take the children at least for part of the time. It doesn't seem likely that the wife is going to go to jail. I just find that hard to believe. But um, but the charges that they are are going to face potentially um, is are misdemeanor and felony charges, including conspiracy to commit a crime contributing to the delinquency of a minor, filing a false report with authorities, and attempting to influence a public servant. Um, and these, these uh, plus they, they also would have to pay for um, restitution for the cost of all the helicopters and, and different uh, recovery uh, efforts that went on which one media source estimated as being close to $2 million. Now, of course, the Heaney family doesn't have anything near $2 million or even $200,000 or, or perhaps even $20,000 uh, to pay. But, I mean, I guess they'll be given time to pay this, but it's not realistic to, us to think that the whole cost is going to be paid by them. But... Um, but in any case, these are very serious charges, and this is a very serious situation. And and what is most serious is this is the increased dysfunction that the family is facing. You know what, what's interesting is um, if you listen to the nine one one call that the family made, and of course they called nine one one first. They called they didn't call nine one one first, which of course adds to the suspicion that it was a hoax. Instead, um, they called the Federal Aviation Administration, so a national organization, a bigger organization, um, and the Denver NBC affiliate KUSA-TV. And their, their rationale, supposedly, for calling the television station was that the station send a news helicopter up. Now, you know, I mean, this really begs um, belief because... If you have a child who you think went up in a in a helium balloon flying saucer, <laughs> saucer, um, the, the it would be natural. The automatic response would be if you weren't necessarily looking for publicity to call nine one one. And when you listen to the nine one one call, that in itself, the the voice, how what they say, how they say it, belies the fact that they weren't really all that worried about where their son was. Um, 
some of the emotion that the wife, first it's the wife on the phone and then the, the, the husband, um, and the, the wife sort of has some emotion, but it wasn't really that good acting, actually, on the 911 call. Um, but, you know, you can tell that they, they have this emotion when they're talking about this son, this feigned emotion, and then when they're talking about the, uh, like the father, especially when he's talking about his invention, this flying saucer, he's incredibly rational and calm. So, um, and then, of course, there's the video that the family had of releasing the balloon. And, and then, you know, where was the, the, the brother who supposedly knew that his brother was in the balloon at that time? Why didn't he, you know, say something more than, um, I don't know, the whole thing is, is a lot of hot air. <laughs> but, um, but let's hope that... Uh, the, the, although the aim of this might have been or was, in fact, to get a television show, let's hope what they do get is help for those poor children. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.